The Grower Calling, Canada's go-to horticulture podcast. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Cohort Wholesale. The unprecedented floods in British Columbia are just six months behind us. The rupture of food chains has tested the mettle of those moving goods in and out of the province. The Oppenheimer Group, headquartered in Vancouver, was one company that had to make sense out of all the chaos. For insight on what happened and the ongoing pressures, let's talk to Stuart LePage. He is the Executive Director, Operations and Logistics for the Oppenheimer Group. I'm Karen Davidson, editor of The Grower. Today, I've caught up with Stuart. Hey, it's great to it's great to be here and talk to you, Karen. Uh, definitely, lots going on, and uh, excited to be able to share a little bit of our perspective into, you know, what we have experienced and continue to experience here as as these supply chain issues, you know, continue to persist. Uh, but excited to to chat with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you recap some of the challenges that your company faced when the transport corridors were closed in British Columbia last November? No, it's, uh, you know, it, obviously there's no way to plan for, for something like that. We'd, we'd been through, you know, what it was at that point about 18 months of the pandemic and, and, you know, the, the issues, uh, impacting the industry were already there. The, the driver shortage, the equipment shortage, inability to get new parts for trucks, struggles with labor. I mean, you name it, the industry was already facing a magnitude of problems. And then we had these, I think everyone learned the term atmospheric river and really, you know, devastating situation that came with those floods and, and it essentially closed off, you know, a major population from, from normal supply routes and, and forced the industry as a whole to really come together. And, and I mean, I must commend, you know, organizations like CPMA, uh, some BC government, all, all the folks that, that quickly reacted to a terrible situation, uh, frankly, to get food and supplies to people who, who desperately needed them. There were, there was parts that were, were truly cut off from any major domestic logistics routes and, and highways and the industry had to get creative to find ways to to service those i mean that took uh taking you know truck routes that weren't normal highways and, and turning them into major transportation routes it took us moving product through the united states in bond um, back up to canada to get uh, to get product to stores uh, but there was truly a level of collaboration from so many different parties and so many different people in order to to continue to move the flow of goods. Uh, you saw the media with empty store shelves. People were struggling just to get basic necessities. Uh, and I think overall, the industry did a tremendous job in collaborating to, to come together to, to overcome that. And, you know, yes, there were days, but we were fortunate that it was only days of outages, not weeks that, that could have been. And, and there's still some of those roads today that aren't prepared and uh, back to normal. But that will hopefully come here in the very near future. So let's, let's talk a little bit about that. So tell me, how concerned were you about uh, food security during the catastrophic floods in BC last year? Yeah, I mean, food security was one of the things that so many people were concerned about. I mean, the, the overland flooding piece of, of what that did to people's lives and livelihoods was unbelievably tragic. I'm, I'm actually from British Columbia, so I, had, I have family and friends throughout the greater Vancouver area, as well as in the interior of BC. And, and you know, I, I saw firsthand from people that I was close to uh, their inability to go to the grocery store and, and get their hands on milk or bread or fresh produce. And, you know, that was scary. And there's lots of competitors out there and lots of people trying to gain an upper hand when it comes to companies within the industry. 
but that was all pushed to the side. And again, the collective effort, I, I can't say enough about it. People coming together to bring those solutions and think outside the box. Uh, again, government removing red tape that we had to to get product where it needs to go. So let's, uh, for the sake of our listeners, talk about the fact that uh, your base is Calgary. And uh, maybe you can describe, you know, on a, what is your role of logistics and transportation on a day-to-day basis when things are uh, relatively normal? I think we all we all sort of forget what normal is these days with with everything that's going on. But no, uh, yeah, Oppenheimer based in Vancouver. I'm in our our Calgary facility, and and so my oversight is a number of different functional areas of supply chain, but overseeing the day to day for transportation, warehousing, ports, uh, production, manufacturing, quality control, quality assurance, all the different buckets that form operations, and it gives obviously lots of headaches and lots of sleepless nights, but it also gives lots of broad based perspective and lets me work with so many great teams to move all fast in the supply chain and getting our product to market. So thanks for for telling us a little bit about your own role with logistics and transportation. There has been so much uh, commentary about the disruptions in the supply chain. Can you share what lessons or what changes uh, you have made in how your own company operates? No, that's a great a great point, and and yeah, you know, it's it's the forefront of the news every day that the challenges that every in- industry is facing, and the fresh produce one, our issues are only amplified only because the perishability of our product, and it's forced everyone to make changes to go around it. And I mean, starting with people, labor labor has been at the forefront of all of these situations, whether it's truck driver shortage, farm labor shortage, retail labor shortage. Everybody's fighting that battle. Uh, so it's forced us to be to look at our people, look at our staffing, and think outside the box of how we can attract, retain, drive, and sort of repurpose our talent to uh, to be able to keep the business moving. And and it, I don't believe the labor problem is going to go away anytime soon. There's no magical solution out of it. Uh, so we need to make sure that our industry and and the supporting cast of industries are out there and and attractive and taking care of the people who are going to drive drive through it. Uh, it also made us look at a bunch of our processes, uh, how we how we go about getting goods to market uh, efficiently, cost effectively. I mean, all of the input costs, uh, right from from farming fertilizer, the labor I just spoke about, uh, ocean freight, inland freight, trucking costs of fuel, everything. Every cost has, has gone up over the entire course of the supply chain. Not all of that, you know, should be directly passed on to consumer. It's up to companies to find a way to be as efficient as possible with those costs. I mean, inevitably, cost of everything has gone up with inflation. We've seen that, but it's taken us an opportunity to look at all of our all of our input costs and all of our spends, and again, try and be as efficient as we can to ensure that when we get product to market, you know, it's affordable or as affordable as it can be for consumers consumers out there to buy. Derek, can you give us an example then of how you've uh, tightened up that that whole process and and how you've tightened up on costs? Yeah, a lot of it comes down to efficiency. Um, every time you, you touch product, move product, handle product, there, there's a cost associated to it. Um, so it caused us to be more efficiently with how we plan truck routes, uh, with how we, we move our product, with how long we store product, everything like that. Again, there's costs on every step of that entire way. So to try and move product quicker through the supply chain, to try and increase our efficiency on deliveries, on retail buying, all the different areas. The fewer number of times you can touch the product, the better you can control the cost. And I think that's probably been our number one focus with how we've looked to try and make changes to keep to keep things flowing properly. Just continuing on that theme of rising costs, I mean, uh, we all know that the carbon tax, uh, another 11 cents per liter on diesel, came into effect on April the 1st. 
how is that affecting your um, transportation business? Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's <laughs> affecting everybody's transportation business. And I, I, I understand the premise behind the carbon tax. I think the, the, the purpose and what they're trying to accomplish by implementing it, you know, you, you can you can see the, the goal they're trying to work towards. My, my issue a lot is around the timing. There's just so many things hampering the supply chain business and, and adding costs. You know, we just talked about record inflation, all the costs that go into what we're doing as a company to get product from farm to, to plate, if you will. Uh, it comes to the timing. I, I think, you know, we've seen it with all of the factors driving up costs, uh, be it the prices of fuel because of political situations around the world in, in different countries. We've seen it because the cost of labor going up. We've seen it in the costs, all of the input costs into growing and farming. Uh, and then other situations that have, you know, there's a there's still a, a cross-border truck driver mandate that's taken somewhere between 10 and 15 percent of the available highway cross-border traffic off of the market. All, all of these factors that started with the pandemic, the floods we talked about earlier, have driven extra costs in the supply chain. You've na- named quite a few pressures, but uh, what is keeping you awake at night right now? We're doing this interview on April 26th. What is really uh, concerning you right now? I think the challenges that we're facing, a lot of them don't have clear ways out, if you will. And I think that's the most part. I mean, I've touched on labor. You know, there's no immediate solution to what's going to help, you know, bolster labor forces to be able to have the industry functioning properly. Uh, There's no clear solution as to what could drive fuel prices back down, what's going to unclog these gaps and blocks in the supply chain to get things back to whatever a normal might have been a number of years ago, uh, it's just going to take time. Uh, It's going to take time for the global container shortage to work its way through into everything to get back to the normal flow of where it is. And and I think that's what what keeps me and probably many folks around the industry awake at night. How can you solve these situations when there's no clear answers to what needs to be done? It's it's about working through it as best we can and and handling what's in front of us, but to some of the long-term problems think everyone needs to take a look, continue to look outside the box, what is going to be the long-term solution with things like automation, uh, with things like new farming techniques to produce higher yield, use technology better to support a lot of what we're doing, because the old ways of of managing a lot of facets of supply chain just might not be efficient or cost-effective here in the years to come. Getting food from farm to plate is clearly a very complicated process. What would you ask of industry and government to ease the pressures on the food system right now? Uh, how much How much time do you have? No, I think it's uh, I think it's a great point. And, and starting with industry of, of really collaborating and coming together, uh, we're so fortunate to have great industry associations like the Canadian Produce Marketing Association, like the International Fresh Produce Marketing Association. And I ask industries to support these support these groups, get behind what they're doing. Uh, obviously, there's competition and everyone's working out there for the profits of their own individual company or organization. But the industry itself can do a lot of good by collaborating, coming together and working on these solutions to lobbying government to reduce the red tape. Things like cross-border trucking vaccination mandate or the the costs we see going into things like the carbon tax. Uh, there's a time and a place and a good intention, I think, behind a lot of these. But at the same time, they're just being piled on to a supply chain that's already so pressured with regards to costs and regulation that uh, that it's just the, the timing is a question. And I'd ask government to, to educate itself. Uh, get out, speak to farmers, 
speak to carriers, speak to companies who are operating in this market, and just have all the information they can to make the best decisions possible and and see the real impact on the people on the ground that are making the day-to-day happen and learn what they can do to help support support the people who are have had a challenging couple of years and, and there's really no end in sight to a lot of what they're going through. Well, thank you, Stuart, uh, for sharing all of your insight and uh, some of what you've been going through in the last two years. I want to take this opportunity to say uh, congratulations. Uh, you've just won the Young Professionals Award from the Canadian Produce Marketing Association and uh, well-deserved. Uh, we can see how articulate and passionate you are about all of the issues impacting uh, the food chain. Well, thank you. Thank you, Karen. I mean, it, it was a great honor and, and truly a bit of a shock. I mean, there's so many bright people and passionate, smart folks in this industry that to, to be to be even considered for something like that was was truly an honor, but even more of a shock to, to be awarded. But thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate the kind words. Thank you and uh, safe travels. Excellent. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Karen.